0: Kawhi up top, looks at the clock, turns the corner for the win! South of the Six Podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host,
1: Adam. Corsair. You couldn't have scripted it any better. You couldn't have written it any better. You couldn't have believed me if I told you this was going to happen 18 years later. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene tv network and part of the overtime media crew. We're going in hot. We're going in right away on this. Joining me today is the icon, the showstopper, the main event himself, the entertaining and sexy, and the guy with the greatest good luck charm t-shirt in the world, Mr. Peter HBK of Life and Repeat. Dude, you were there. How are you? How are you this morning? How are you feeling? Let it all out.
0: <laughs> Adams, 2014, we lost last second to the Brooklyn Nets. Very heartbreaking. 2015, We get swept by the Washington Wizards, the lowest of the low. Cries to break up the team. Trade everyone. 2016, we redeem ourselves. We're two wins away from the finals. Then LeBron smokes us. He smoked us again in 2017. He smoked us again in 2018, which birthed our first annual therapy session podcast. (laughs) And 2019, Adam, if I wasn't there, I would tell you it was a dream, but how amazing is it to put another franchise into an existential crisis? (laughs) We're not the ones wondering about our team. We're not the ones being tormented by a generational talent. Adam, we are the tormentors. (laughs) I am on zero sleep. I am still buzzing from that game seven, how I got through today. I'll never know, but I, I'm here right now on zero sleep. I was 10 rows behind the bucket when that shot went in. I never hugged and high-fived so many strangers. It was party night in Toronto, and oh my goodness, like like you said, you couldn't have scripted this any better. Real life is, is better than anything you could put to to paper to concoct how this story would unfold. But here we are, Adam, eight down, Eight to go.
1: I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. And, <laughs> cheers. dude, cheers. Look, I, I I was. I feel like this is one of those moments in our fanhood. No, it, it, it's it's reminiscent of what we talked about on a previous episode, um, previewing Demar Derozan coming back um, in a Spurs jersey to Toronto. Um, we were talking about like where were you when X, Y, and Z happened. And what's funny is, is that, you know, up until last night, I feel, and you may disagree, but I feel that the greatest, most positive playoff moment in Raptors history may have been the Lowry buzzer beater. Would you agree?
0: It's up there, but then we ended up losing that game, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. That was a, that was a great playoff moment. Yes. Yes.
1: Right, right. And if not that, maybe the norm dunk. There, there are a like handful of things that you can pick, but this right now, this moment, this Kawhi Leonard buzzer beater moment is far and away the greatest moment in Toronto Raptors history. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. I don't think that is hyperbole. I do think it beats the dunk contest. I do think it will be any other moment that you can put on the table. It does beat fuck Brooklyn. It beats it all. Because this is the most uplifting moment that I have ever had as a Toronto Raptors fan.
0: You're absolutely right. Let's let's give DeRozan some respect when he dunked the Milwaukee Bucks out of the playoffs. For sure. Let's let's put that up there, but hands down greatest moment in Raptors history, the best game ever in Raptors history. Like we talk about Vince Carter missing that shot in 2001, 18 years later. That's how much we talk about a missed shot. How, we're going to be talking about this made bucket for Forever, for my entire lifetime. This is, that was the greatest shot in Raptors history. The greatest moment in Raptors history by the most talented player in Raptors history on the most talented team in Raptors history. And we did it in a game seven. We sent another team packing and it's not just that the shot went in, Adam, it's, it's the, dr- the drama of it all. It was the high arching, the high arc he had on his relief so he can get it over in Bede's hand. It was the not one, the not two, not three, but four Boy. bounces before it fell in. And like I said, I was probably like 15 meters away from, from the action, not to throw out Canadian measurements. To no, you, please do. I'm not please do. you. Please uh, <laughs> do. But when it left his hand, I thought it wasn't going in. It, it 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 didn't look like it was on point. It bounced. Time stood still. An hour could have passed, but it was a half a second and it dropped and it was pure pandemonium. And man, I'm still in shock that that happened. Like there's there's almost part of our Raptors DNA that we've touched on before where you kind of expect the worst to happen. You expect the shot not to go in. You expect us to fall apart in overtime. And it's almost like Kawhi Leonard is the universe's way of giving Raptors a course correction of no, guys, this is what it's like to win. And the rest of the team, it was a grinded out game 7. There was a lot of hot potatoing the ball. We could get into that later. But Leonard, you know what? I don't care that he took 39 shots. He took 44% of the, the Raptors total shots. And you know what? It wasn't even enough. He should have shot more. Like, this is what a star player does. They don't care. He didn't care that he went four for 14 in the third quarter. And it did get kind of scary there in the third quarter. We started out strong. Philly came called the timeout. I think Philly then went on a 10-11-0 run. They built themselves up a seven, eight-point lead. And then you start having that feeling. I've seen this movie before. This would this would break past iterations of this Raptors team. But we just kept chipping away. We just kept doing what we did, having faith that Leonard would make the shots. And Leonard, you can't speed him up. You can't slow him down. He knows where he needs to get to. And he did not, he looked like he was enjoying this moment. He wanted to take all the shots. And that's not something we can say about past franchise players. We've had superstars on this team before, but we've never had a generational talent like Kawhi Leonard that says, Get on my back. We're going to the conference finals. This is the Overtime
1: Podcast Network. It's everything. It's everything that you said and more, man. It's, think about it, 18 years ago, right? We're playing Philadelphia in the second round of the playoffs. 18 years ago. And the winner faces Milwaukee, okay? Yes, we're in Philly for game seven. Yes, we are. Yet we're not on our home court. But what what is so serendipitous to me is that this is almost, not quite, but almost, The complete opposite side of the court. It's like, uh, it's still the right side of the court. It may not, like, Kawhi's jumper was in the corner, deep corner, whereas Vince's was more towards the elbow, but it was there. It's the exact opposite. And we saw our dreams just shatter in 2001. And when that ball hit the rim last night, I'm not thinking this is going in. I'm thinking, Okay, it's, we're going to overtime. Like that's the, my only saving grace at that point is we didn't lose. We did not lose this game. Like we can't lose if this shot doesn't go in. We're going to overtime. We have momentum. I feel like we're we're figuring things out. It was a little slow, but I feel like we have a good tandem right now on the floor. And then another bounce happens, and then another bounce, and it goes in. And I just see this crowd explode. My wife and I are watching this game on TV. We scream, thankfully didn't wake the baby, scream our heads off and just, I, I'm in disbelief and I am not, you know, one of these macho dudes that it wouldn't admit it. I just fell to my knees in tears, just in tears it, because it was literally one of those moments in sports that like captivates you and it's just one of those moments in life that you're just like, Finally finally we have something finally we have something not just as raptors fans but we have something in nba history this was an instant classic peter instant classic from start to finish instant and i cannot believe that i am talking about a toronto raptors game that you could put in the in the history books as an nba one of the nba's greatest games ever that is amazing
0: no, you're absolutely right. And I've been pointing out on Twitter how eerie this series has been. It's unfolded exactly like 2001 did. Home team won game one. Row team won game two. Um... Home team won game three, road team won game four, mm-hmm. and then home teams win game five, six, and seven. It unfolded the exact same way down to the very detail of, in this very similar part of the court. Sure, we weren't down by one, if meaning if Leonard missed a shot, the game wasn't over. So there's still that little element of it. But man, like, this is... I I can't I'm 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 boggled by the improbability of it all like for it to go down in such a eerie fashion like I, I can't even imagine what the mathematical probability of that scenario is and it's like that passing of a torch moment it's the closing of a of an of a, of an arc of a narrative what Vince Carter couldn't do what DeMar DeRozan did his best to do but couldn't Kawhi Leonard can do and there's just something so emotional so beautiful about that and man this this is this is what it's like to have a LeBron James to have a <laughs> Steph Curry to have a Kawhi Leonard we haven't had that moment there's Across all Toronto sports, there's there's moments you can say, and everyone will know what they mean. Touch them all, Joe. Um, the, the, the the bat flip, the yeah. Donaldson dash, the graduation game, um, and now we got. The two not Mother's Day 2019 will go <laughs> down in Raptors infamy. All you're gonna have to say is Mother's Day 2019. 15 years from now, and everyone will tell you where they were when that shot went in. This is not Raptors, just Raptors history. This is not NBA history. I think I read somewhere that it was the first game seven buzzer beater in NBA history, which is just wow. wild to think wow. about. But this 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 will be this will have a short name moniker. And right now, I'm thinking Mother's Day 2019, but it could have its own name once the news cycle dies down about this and we move on to the next round. But this is an iconic moment. We'll be seeing replays of this down the road. And it, 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 it's, it, it's simply incredible. And I don't know what to say other than, man, thank you, Kawhi. Yes. Man. Like, and the, the crazy thing is, after all this emotional high... We're still only halfway to our goal. And I'm in the arena, I'm sitting around people, everyone saying, Oh my God, I can't do de- my heart, this is so stressful. I can't watch. I'm going to the washroom. I was just glued. I'm watching, I'm taking in every stressful moment, every feeling of nope, this is falling apart. Because this is this is the story. If we win a title, it's not easy you're going to have these games these sliding doors games or someone will say well if you didn't make that shot then you guys are out this is part of the journey and we're not there yet we're at we're approaching the end goal but we still need to go through Milwaukee but man this 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 moment in Raptors history was, Everyone's going to remember where they were. I, I, I'm almost at a, a loss for words, and and you know me, Adam. I'm never at a loss for words <laughs> to describe something. It was just, it was a masterpiece. Kawhi painted a masterpiece, and like whether you were watching at home, whether you're in the arena, whether you're at the bar, whether you're with friends, you're with family watching it. Everyone was jumping up and down. Everyone had the exact same reaction, and that's something you cannot replicate. Kawhi Leonard gave us a cultural touchstone moment that's imprinted on all of us that we will all know and we will all remember whether he stays, whether he goes. He gave us this moment and it'll be part of Toronto sports lore forever.
1: It's true. And it's, you think of the intricacies that led to that. Like what happens if Kawhi makes that shot? Well, I mean that free throw, both free throws. What happens? What happens? What happens now? Like, does Jimmy Butler change course? Does Do they set something up for J.J. Redick? Do they tie the game that way? What happens? Like, it, it's these little things that you look at and be like, they matter. Like, it, it's, it's just one of those moments that, like, everything that led up to it was perfect. It was literally perfect. Every single moment about it was perfect. And it, it just, you're right. Th- what's on my mind right now is not, At all. And almost like it doesn't matter anymore. Maybe it probably will come July 1st. But as of right now, it doesn't matter to me really if he's going to stay or or if he goes. That's not to say I don't want him to stay. But it's just like I feel fulfilled in a way. It's not that I don't want to win the next round. I do. It's not like I don't want to win a championship. I do. But it's more that like I've never experienced this. So for, for Kawhi Leonard to give us this gift, it's like wow wow, I, this is more than I expected. This is more than I anticipated. And then to think that there's still more to get and to give us potentially. Man, I, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. It's overwhelming because, it's, it,
0: <laughs> go ahead, it no. Is, no, it is overwhelming. I'm just glad we have two full days off. I feel like the players need it. I feel like you and I need it. Yeah. I, it's, it's an emotional high. And you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of the reason we're not focused on where Kawhi is or isn't going is because a, we still have business at hand. Yes. And two, we've done nothing this everything has played out perfectly. If you wanted to keep Kawhi, in almost storybook fashion, I know we've covered it before, and everyone knows the the, the beats to that. Siakam becoming a superstar, Masai Ujiri acquiring Mark Gasol, Kawhi's load management, and the Raptors still finish with the second best record in the league. They, they yes, they lost Game One to Orlando, but they. They gave them the reverse gentleman sweep. They swept them the next four. It was a hard-fought battle with Philly. This was always going to be a hard-fought battle with Philly. They are an incredibly talented team. And sometimes talent wins out the only thing is we had the best player in the series and there's always that old playoff adage whoever has the best player usually wins which makes the next round so much more fast so fascinating because there's who is the better player? Is it Giannis? Is it Kawhi? I have my opinion, but it's not set in stone. Against Philly, I am 100% adamant Leonard that was the best player in that series, and it's almost fitting that he's the one that put them away. You can try to acquire as many star players as you can, but if they're not on the level of a Kawhi Leonard, it doesn't matter and more so in terms of keeping Kawhi Leonard. What is everyone talking about today? They're talking about Kawhi Leonard. Leonard is the star of this team. When mm-hmm. the team does well, he gets all the accolades. Everyone today is talking about he is a superstar. This guy, maybe he's the best player in the playoffs. Maybe he's better than Kevin Durant. Maybe he's the best player in the league. Look at the discussion that's happening right now. And not a lot of players have that or having that discussion about them. Sure, people say it about Durant, but but do we really believe it? I feel like the Warriors could win a title with me sitting in the corner on their team (laughs) launching threes. So there's always going to be sort of a, a tax that Durant has to pay for for sort of title chasing and being a front runner that Leonard doesn't have to deal with. He's put... This is... The new Norman, I think the new Norman, the NBA, I think so everyone's seeing what Leonard can do leading a team and all the accolades that come with it. And man, I wish I had stock in New Balance. His gear is <laughs> selling out in all the stores in, in Toronto, in Canada. Like, I think he's feeling what it feels like to not only lead a city, which is in the top five largest markets in North America, but also to have the power of an entire country behind you. Even when they play road games in the States, in every city in North America, in the United States, you have expats, you have Canadians living there. And every time they're on the road, you got Let's Go Raptors chance. He feels that presence that you don't get with any other franchise, except for sort of the the glamour ones that have sort of the... The bandwagon fans who are always just sort of cheer for the front runner. You have Canadians in every city, and he's feeling that. And I think that helps. And I think he's seeing that it's not affecting his bottom line in terms of advertising and sort of revenue off the court and if that's his primary motivation to maximize his individual commercial appeal it has not hindered him at all it's actually played into his persona he's it's The North, the Canada suits him. He's viewed as being robotic, viewed as being chilly. Canada, we're viewed as being cold. And, you know, like it's almost like a perfect blend of personality and team and country. And yeah, like this team, Messiah Jerry, everything has gone better than we can expect it. So if Leonard looks us in the eye and says he doesn't want to be here, which I don't think he will, he said, so many times over the last couple of weeks and there are breadcrumbs if you want to look into them. He says winning is the primary his primary motivation and the Raptors are proving that hey, we can win. We're one of the final four teams in the league. We didn't even need to get four superstars on our team. You can beat them yourself. So we're making the best case possible and that's all
1: we can ask for. It's everything you just said right everything led to this everything it's the whole totality and conglomerate of everything it came to the point where i rewatched that hype video from game 2 of this year like regular season game 2 against the celtics that remember the hype video with you know they're talking about the the conference isn't the goal this, the division isn't the goal the conference is not the goal the goal is greatness. The goal I'm watching this. And I'm thinking to myself, how far we have come in just a year viewing this? Like, I remember in its infancy, we're talking about Kawhi Leonard being this guy like, oh, he has no interest in being in Toronto. Will he report? Maybe not you and I, but like, you know, the, the, the talking heads out there were talking about this, you know. Will he report? He has no interest. There's a foregone conclusion. He's going to L.A. And you can tell in the beginning of the season he wasn't very comfortable. He wasn't very, uh, you know, the chemistry wasn't there with everybody on the team. He was still new. It's kind of like a a guy going to a new school, trying to just make new friends. And then slowly and incrementally you see these these bonds being made and the chemistry being developed to the point where, like, fast forward, he's on Serge's show, and, like, they're talking as if they're super close. He's dapping it up with uh, Pascal Siakam after games, just – embracing each other as if they're like super good friends talking on um you know uh members of the team talking on danny green's podcast talking about you don't even know how you know open this guy is what you guys see isn't how he really is all of this up until now it's kind of like Woj saying yo it's actually a 50 50 it's 50 50 clippers and toronto And I'm sitting here today thinking, I don't even think it's close. I don't even think it is 50-50 after this. Because you've never seen him with that much emotion save for winning the NBA Finals. Period. Like He was just emoting and everybody surrounding him. And it's just like... This How do you not feel at home right now? How does this not feel right to you? So I think if I'm reading your tea leaves, you do think he's going to stay. You, because of all these things I'm saying. And another thing I've noticed about this team is the class of this team yesterday. They could have been assholes about it. They could have rubbed it in their faces. What's the first thing Marcus all does as soon as that shot goes in? He doesn't run over to his team. He runs over to Embiid. And he says something to the effect of, You will be here again. You have a bright future. That was on his mind right away. Not rubbing it in, running to the other team to congratulate them. And you see Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry spit it a little bit. And you see Kawhi Leonard coming up to Ben Simmons. That is class. And I don't think you can find that anywhere else. This is where it's at. It's on the Toronto Raptors right now. And God damn it, I want to see this year after year because we are lucky to have these group, uh, this group of individuals on this team to demonstrate that. It's not just the win, Peter. It's the class in which they won.
0: You're absolutely right. And it all just goes back to, like, you think, let's just, let's just play the rumor game, right? So um, – you're telling me Kawhi is going to leave this organization for all the things we've mentioned, their bright future. They're a classy organization. They're well run. There is no front office drama with this team. And you, we have the, one of the best, if not the best president of basketball operations Guide, building this roster in Messiah Jiri, who's well-respected throughout the league, and you're going to leave this to go to Jeannie Bus and the Lakers and right. the, the, the drama there. You're going to leave this and go to the unknown of the Clippers where they're run by Lawrence F- Frank. Like if, <laughs> if you just start looking at it logically, it, you have to look at these organizations as... As companies, people don't leave well run companies, they leave poorly run companies and every player of a Kawhi Leonard caliber of talent, they either stay with the organization or something unforeseen has happened that makes them become available. Otherwise, all these superstars stay. LeBron left Cleveland. You can point to Dan Gilbert and his rotating carousel of coaching hires and front office hires. KD left Oklahoma not because of their general manager. He just Stylistic differences with Russell Westbrook and the owner penny pinching and not siding hard to four extra million over the life of his contract so he can have a max contract. He left because of stylistic differences and owner penny pinching. Other star players, they do not leave. They stay. They recognize the importance of having a stable front office and having a shrewd front office. And this is what the Raptors have. Players don't leave this type of situation. I am more confident than I have ever been that Leonard is staying with this team Because we've given him every reason to stay. We're a winning team. Our story is still being written. We don't know where this ends. And every game we play, every win we have is a check in our favor. And, you know, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going to sign with Toronto. I'm going to even say he's going the full five-year max. No one plus one. He's going to buy into this team. And, Adam... You can book it back to my 58-win prediction, back to my <laughs> prediction beforehand. I am more confident than ever that Leonard is going to stay with this team.
1: It's beautiful. That sounds beautiful to me. And you know what? It. I, I tweeted this out last night, and I don't want to be cliche about it, but I'm going to be cliche about it. Fuck it. Toronto deserves this. They deserve it. You guys deserve it you don't just deserve him resigning you deserved that win you deserved seeing that because we as Raptors fans never had and we're always I say we because I feel you you actually gave me honorary citizenship so I will say we you're we, we. You're we. I'm part of the we the north <laughs> we are always the brunt of the joke even for me down here in New England I'm part of the brunt of the joke like, the Raptors will never be shit. They're, they're just a joke franchise. Oh, the Purple Dinosaur chokes in the playoff. Kyle Lowry in the playoffs. You need a new point guard. Kawhi's not staying. This moment, this just second in time, made it all worth it. And it's like, vindicates me. And it vindicates us. It It just wipes it all clean. And to the point where... You know, I go to the gym during my lunch break. I'm usually rocking a a Raptor shirt or whatever because I have so many. And people are like, Raptors, whatever. I wanted to be in that gym today. It was like, where are your Celtics now? Where are your (laughs) Celtics right now? Because no one says a peep. No one says anything because they saw it and they recognize greatness. And we right now, Peter, we are part of greatness.
0: You're absolutely right. And that's I was deliberate in what I said when we opened the podcast. There's a reason I counted down the last five years because patience is the most important thing to winning a title. It doesn't happen in one year. It doesn't happen in two years. And then you blow it up and throw every throw everyone (laughs) away and start over. That organizations that do that don't don't do very well. You know, there's a reason every loss from twenty fourteen Built up to this moment that happened Sunday night. And you know what? How great is it that the Sixers and the Celtics aren't in the conference finals? All off-season. All year, we kept hearing Boston, Philly, it's gonna, these guys are going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals for the next 10 years. And how great is it to the U.S. media, to the to the TNT, to ABC, who's going to broadcast these games that Milwaukee or Toronto is going to be in the NBA Finals. You know what? You don't want to put Toronto on Christmas Day? Well, here you go. Toronto, <laughs> Milwaukee, semifinals. Toronto, maybe in the Finals. You're going to put us on abc you're gonna you're gonna give us eventually a christmas day game we're gonna take it and that's almost kind of what happened yesterday Kawhi leonard took it he snatched philadelphia's soul and now they're they're soul searching they're wondering what they have to do and if Kawhi stays there's no reason why you know what rap 76ers Celtics you guys might not be in the conference finals for the 10 next 10 next 10 years it might be Leonard and Giannis for the next five years battling out for Eastern Conference supremacy so how great is that that all these talking heads Philadelphia Boston Philadelphia Boston they have no other choice but for the next month to be talking about Milwaukee Toronto and then be talking about Milwaukee or Toronto in the finals this is
1: the overtime podcast network It's outstanding. It's, oh man. I we've never experienced it, and here we are. And you know, I I I do want to give credit to other players on the floor. Like I'm not taking anything away from Kawhi Leonard. We just spent 30 minutes talking about how awesome that moment was. But let's. I would do want to touch on other players, and specifically, I think he earned this. Serge Ibaka came out to play. Yesterday, I have not seen him in the playoffs with so much confidence, so much poise, and so much just personal, just, I I, I can't explain it. He was just ready to go. He was in the zone. He was fixated on this win. And I was just like, this is the surge I've been waiting for all year. All year, this is it. The guy that can share the floor with the other big man and not make it seem like such a clusterfuck, he did it, and he was outstanding yesterday. And I know you were there. I know you saw it. Did you feel the same way?
0: (laughs) I I jokingly tweeted, instead of giving out T-shirts at these games, they should be giving out Band-Aids for fans to wear on their head. (laughs) You know what? Yes, Leonard, he deserves all the high, the headlines. And, and we we chatted about him for, like you said, for a good 20, 30 minutes here. But you always have that one X-Factor player who you did not foresee having a big game. Having a big game. And that was Serge Ibaka. I would not have guessed it would have been him. My money would have been on Danny Green. But Ibaka, man, with without him, we do not win yesterday we needed somebody else to step up to make shots ibaka six for ten three for five 17 points plus 22 adam that's how you use plus minus it's (laughs) the thing you mentioned you don't lead with it's the
1: icing on the cake it's
0: not the fucking cake (laughs) (laughs) there you go and nurse he ran a seven man rotation which (laughs) even though i was there it didn't I don't know. I, I, when I looked at the box score later, I was surprised. I was like, really? Only seven players? Even though I was there and it shouldn't have come as a shock. And we had Lowry go out in the first quarter with foul trouble. And then he um, dinged his finger or thumb. I don't remember. was his and left thumb. We had to give Fred Van Fleet more minutes than any Raptors fan wanted to. And sure, Van Fleet gave us the Lowry special, 0 for 5. (laughs) Um, Didn't make any of his shots. But you know what? He played well in the minutes he was out there. The lead did not vanish. The deficit did not grow bigger. He did what he needed to do, even though he didn't score any points. He was aggressive on defense. He was aggressive going to the basket, even though they all missed. He made all his free throws. So even though he had a donut in terms of shots made... Fred Van Fleet had an impact in that game, and that impact was just as simple as not fucking things up while Lowry's not on the floor. So kudos to Van Fleet, but kudos to Ibaka. That was huge. I didn't know Ibaka had that in him. And, man, he he saved us when the game was kind of slipping away in the third quarter a little. So, yeah, man, Leonard deserves the headlines, but you're absolutely right. And good on you to point out what Ibaka did because there's been a lot of Ibaka slander, a lot of it well-earned. But, man... he came through in Game Seven, and that's what you—that's what you look for. Who is here in Game Seven? Who is ready to make a shot? Who wants the shot? Who's hot potatoing the ball? Ibaka, Ibaka was like, "Give me the ball, I'm going to score," yes. and. You know what? I don't care if he's had bad games leading up to this. He came through when we needed him the most. And we're not relying on Ibaka to win us games. We need Ibaka for occasionally to win us quarters, to not be an absolute zero while out there. He rose to the occasion. And I think the next highest score, and I could be wrong, was like Siakam with 11. So without Ibaka's 17, man... Adam, we're having a different podcast today. I think we're we're probably having our second annual wolf therapy session, and uh, but today we're having a more of a celebratory discussion. So you're absolutely right. Everyone, put your bandit on your head. Um, <laughs> Ibaka, you're beautiful. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, and you know it's. It's the tenacity that he played with. And it's not, it wasn't just him. It was Kyle Lowry. They were very scrappy. I know, like, Kyle Lowry with the 10 points, you know, he only shot one for th- seven from three. You want that up. I'm not excusing that at all. Not at all. But it's, there was this one moment in the game that Kyle Lowry became bigger than anybody on the 76er squad and out rebound them all. It was amazing. Just see you were probably right there. I think this is when it was on that side of the, uh, the of the, the court where you were 10 rows behind. He just came up and grabbed this rebound out of nowhere. And I'm thinking that is what I want to see. I want to see that from my point guard. I want to see that from everybody on this floor because you want to know what 76ers has been destroying the Raptors in rebounds this entire series. This entire series, they've been killing them until yesterday. And Serge Ibaka, eight total boards, huge. Gasol, 11 total boards. Siakam, 11 total boards. That is what you need. You need that type of intensity. You need that type of physicality. You need to want it more. And I said this about Game 6— 76ers wanted that game more. And I got a lot of heat on Twitter for that. People were like, no, 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 no. They, they, it, they just got outplayed. The Raptors, it was just a bad day. No, no, no. 76ers wanted that game more. People weren't jumping on the ground to get uh, loose balls. They seemed lackadaisical. There was plenty of turnovers. 76ers wanted that game more in Game 6. But Game 7, it was clear from the jump. I don't care what the disparities were in the, in the the in the point totals. It was clear from the jump. Toronto was hungry for this game and they wanted this. They wanted to see Giannis in the Eastern Conference Finals because they know this is their best shot to get a championship.
0: Yeah, and and good on you for mentioning the rebounding. Like we had a 16 to 5 edge in the offensive boards, meaning Philly had five offensive boards. Ibaka had four. Ibaka almost out rebounded Philly on the offensive glass all by himself and you know what you're absolutely right second half Lowry you know what if the shots not falling that's fine But I'm looking for the intangibles with Lowry, and he seems to bring that on most nights. And he had, I want to say it was 80 seconds left, Raptors up two. He had that steal um, where I think he yanked it from Embiid, ran down the side of the court, Butler's back there, he throws it to Siakam, Siakam finishes. Like, that's a winning play by Lowry. That's not going to count as part of his points scored. But if Lowry is doing that on a regular basis, that... That is that is beneficial to us. Would I like him to make more shots? Yes. Would I like him to even take more shots? Absolutely. But one thing that we I I have to say, and I've been critical of Lowry, and but that does not mean I dislike Lowry. I love Kyle Lowry. He's going to have his jersey retired here. I'm I'm a huge Kyle Lowry fan. But there's some days where he just leaves you wanting more, and we wish that sometimes his offensive tenacity matched his defensive energy and intensity and on some days it doesn't but he was doing a lot of the intangibles and you know like kudos to him that steal was huge who knows what could have happened and gasol man he he erased Vucevic in the Magic series. He held Embiid in check. Embiid, he held Embiid to 10 less points per game in their matchup than Embiid scores in the playoffs or uh, in the regular season. Embiid averages 27.5 points in the regular season. During this conference semifinals, he averaged 17.6, so almost 10 full points below. During the regular season, Embiid shoots 48% from the field. During this series, he shot 36% Gasol did his job in the first round against the Magic, in the second round against Embiid, and not a lot of people are going to be talking about Gasol, they're going to be more focused on Gasol, shoot, stop hot potatoing the ball, but without him bringing that defensive intensity, and this is why Masai Ujiri brought him in, he had Joel Embiid in mind when that deal was made, and Gasol, 25 million a year, you can score single digits, if you continue to to play defense like that. That's the reason we're in the conference finals. So, yeah, like we're saying, Leonard gets all the headlines, but man, like lots of good things are happening with this team that if you're paying close attention, you're 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 seeing you're seeing a very stacked team sort of realizing its full potential. And with only four teams left, Adam, man, we're four wins away from something I, that still seems fantastical to me. The idea of the Raptors being in the finals is this unattainable goal that I I just can't picture it happening. Even with this team we have, but we're four wins away. We have the best team in our history and it's within play. And if we make the finals, man, like I, I honestly, I don't know how this city would react. I don't know how I would react, but man, we have just as good as chance as anybody. And the winner of Toronto, Milwaukee, they're going to have home court in the NBA finals. And that matters as we just saw in this game seven. Sure. We won't have it against Milwaukee. That's, a factor that's going against us in in this upcoming matchup, but man, there's lots to look forward to, and there's there's so many things that I'm looking forward to experiencing with this team.
1: Something about Ibaka that I noticed: you mentioned that uh, Nurse ran a seven-man rotation. Well, the Sixers, Brett Brown ran an eight-man rotation. James Ennis, Mike Scott, Greg Monroe came off the bench, totaled eight points. Serge Ibaka, 17. Serge Ibaka alone outscored the Sixers bench. Alone.
0: That's huge, right? And this kind of has been the sort of sticking point of the series. One day it's the Raptors bench not showing up. One day it's the Philly bench not showing up. So kudos to Nurse to saying, you know what? Sometimes our bench doesn't show up. I'm just going to put who I need to out there. And yeah, man, like these are the things, like these game seven things that you can't plan for. And we'll always remember Ibaka showing up in game seven when we needed him. So he, Ibaka, you know, he's given... After this performance, two full games have to go by before any Raptors fan can slander him he bought himself <laughs> a pass we cannot slander Ibaka until game three that's that's the deal
1: you mentioned home court advantage and I think you're right like that is something that the Raptors lack uh in this series unfortunately coming up against Milwaukee but I don't think it's crazy in fact I I, I don't think it's bold of me to say, The Raptors could take one game in Milwaukee, and then guess what? Home court is on our side.
0: It's true. And the way you, a team, performs on the road in the playoffs is an indicator of how well your postseason run is going to go. The Raptors, we are 3-2 and on the road. What gives me pause, Adam, is that the Bucks are 4-0 and on the road. Yeah. And they walked into Boston and beat them. So that almost counts as a win and a half. Like last year, we saw in the playoffs, Boston didn't lose at home until game seven of the conference finals. They... They just cruised by on home court advantage. And the Bucs, they're 4-0 on the road. During the regular season, they won both games in Toronto. Granted, Toronto did win one in Milwaukee. But this is this is going to be uh, this is going to be a battle royal. Battle Royale, man. This is this is going to be. Incredible. The two best players in the conference squaring up against one another. And in the regular season, Giannis guarded Pascal Siakam a lot and sort of the Leonard duty went to Chris Middleton. But I think we're they're gonna I think coach Bud and Coach Nurse are gonna be like Man, let these two guys go at one another. Let's find out who's the best player in this series, in this conference, and maybe the best player um, in the NBA. And so that's, I honestly, who think I who I think is going to go to the finals is who has the better series, Giannis or um, Kawhi Leonard. Do I think we can go into Milwaukee and take one? Absolutely. Do I think Milwaukee can come into Toronto and take one? I do. Yeah. I think we have. We're gonna have another seven-gamer, seven-game series on our hands, and it's going to be just as brutal, just as stressful, even more so because the stakes are higher than it was against Philadelphia. Um, But you know what, Adam, if I'm going to bet on someone, I'm going to bet on someone that has uh, some finals MVP hardware hanging in their mantle somewhere. I got wraps in seven.
1: It's, I'm glad we're talking about this. I'm glad we're talking about Milwaukee because look, I, I, we, we spent the vast majority of the show talking about the positives that have, uh, we've experienced in this series, in this playoffs thus far from the Toronto Raptors. And I take nothing away from this. This is not, you know, sort of shitting on it and being a Debbie Downer turning this point right now, but this isn't going to be easy. Right, this isn't going to be a cakewalk. In fact, I think it's going to be even more difficult than Philly was. And you mentioned that this is going to go seven. I agree. Even though Philly went seven, I think that this is going to be that much more physical. They're much longer. They're deep too. They are a deep team, and we need everybody on this team to show up. But this is where I think the Raptors have an advantage, and it's an intangible slash psychological one. The Bucks aren't prepared. I I will stand by that, that I do not think they are prepared for this. They started off just cruising through this. They played, what, Detroit round one? Easy. Easy. Just cruised right through. What do they do round two? They face a dysfunctional Celtics team that just wasn't there. They are not cohesive. They were not cohesive. They They were lacking chemistry. There was internal conflict on that team. They were not there to play. Their heads were not in this game. In this series, rather. The Milwaukee Bucks are facing a primed and ready Toronto Raptors squad, and I believe in intangibles. I do. You can't measure them. You can't pick them out on the stat sheet. I understand, and there are a lot of analytic heads out there that love looking at numbers. I get it. But when you have a moment like that in the playoffs, and your team is rallying, ready to go, hungry for a win, that is difficult to beat. So I do think that the Milwaukee Bucks aren't Physically prepared for this in the way that they would have been had they faced some quote-unquote actual competition heading into the Eastern Conference Finals.
0: Those are all valid points and what you were saying earlier about the game six with Philly, how Philly just wanted it more and versus whether the Raptors played poorly. I lean towards what you say. Philly wanted it more. And I'm always curious. Game six fascinated me because I was curious whether the Sixers thought they could win this series or whether the Sixers knew they were going to go home that night. The series was over. The Raptors have their number. They played, they they smoked the Raptors, forced the game seven, fought us down to the wire. They thought we can, they can beat us. Boston folded in game five. Yep. They, they, they sensed it was over. That that game was over first quarter, second quarter. Boston was ready to go home. So have they been pushed? No. They haven't felt adversity. Um, have they played someone like Kawhi Leonard? Absolutely not. And not only was that moment, game seven, buzzer beater, joyous. If you're someone on the Bucks and you're watching that, you're kind of like, uh oh, who's guarding this guy? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like and it gives the team confidence of uh, winning a series like that. That is confidence building. I the Raptors they they think, and they should think, and they should know that they can beat Milwaukee. And you know what? Kudos to the Bucs. They did lose game one to the Celtics. People started writing their obituaries after that game one saying, oh, this is the Celtics we knew, but Milwaukee can't beat them. So they did face a tiny amount of adversity. If you want to count a game one loss as adver- adversity, and us Raptors fans, we empathize with game one losses. We know how that feels. Oh, so- yeah. So to come back and beat a team like Boston, go into Boston, win twice on the road, um, that's that's an accomplishment. I do. There's there's aspects that I'm I'm going to have a piece up on my site tomorrow where um, I look back at what what did we learn from their regular season battles that will sort of give us insight to the war to come, meaning the conference finals, right? Sure. Um, so there was there was a, there was one theme that it was out Milwaukee loves to let it fly. And they won the season series three one and the team that won every single game shot the three pointer better and they shot it at a high volume. They're not afraid to do that. Um, so that is sort of been our Achilles heel. When we lose is that, we knew we don't just shoot the three pointer poorly we shoot it abysmally sometimes or it's like oh my god just make an open three and Milwaukee's going to let us let it fly they're going to be happy with they're going to be happy with Gasol shooting threes they're going to be happy with Lowry shooting threes they're going to be happy with Siakam shooting threes so this is this is going to come down to, I think, a lot of things, but one of them is who's going to hit the three-pointer better, which sounds very simple, but you know what? We've cha- we've been challenged doing that, so we're going to need a bit of a, a hot streak, a bit of a three-point avalanche, if you will. And Adam, I, I'm going to read to you Kyle Lowry's numbers from the their meeting with Milwaukee, and I want uh, you should be sitting down for this. Okay. So he's averaging 6.3 points. He's shooting 23% from the field and he's 1 for 20 from downtown 5%. Oh. Oh. So yes regular season I get it. I get it. But the Bucks were happy to let Lowry let it fly and if I'm the Bucks and I'm Coach Bud, I'm like, you know what? We're going to say we're long. We're athletic. We're going to do what kind of Philly did the last two games, sending t- double teams, triple teams, when at irregular patterns throughout the possession. And we're going to need somebody to step up each game. In game seven, it was a Baca. We're going to need somebody else to step up. But the good news is, that the Milwaukee Bucks have their own player who suffers from lauritis and Eric Bledsoe who kind of mm. sometimes seems overwhelmed in certain moments so that could be beneficial to us but man we're going to need somebody else to to step up in this and one player the who makes me who scares me the most on the Bucks that isn't Giannis is Malcolm Brogdon he is Back, and it seems like every player in the league is a Raptors killer, but Brogdon is a Raptors killer. There was a game in the regular season, it was down to the final 67 seconds, and Brogdon scored two big threes, and the Bucks closed it out on a 10-2 to run. And I also think with Milwaukee playing a two-point guard lineup a lot with Brogdon and Bledsoe, there's going to be more minutes for Fred Van Fleet out there. So whether you think that's a good thing, or whether you think that's a bad thing, Van Fleet is going to get his fair share of minutes in this upcoming matchup. So the question is, which Van fleet are we going to get are we going to get the van fleet that's kind of struggled this season or are we going to get the van fleet from 2018 who was a finalist for sixth man of the year so these are questions and things i'm thinking about as i'm working on this piece but i'm already starting to look ahead to milwaukee i'm looking to see what worked against them um and but we're going to need big we're going to need a big a monumental series from leonard and he has it in him this is the overtime
1: podcast network <laughs> A player that I'm surprised we haven't touched on and someone that is very much concerning is Danny Green. Danny Green has not been having a good playoff series, um, specifically against Philly. He's been sort of a no-show. Yes, the defense is there from time to time. And yes, uh, previously, I think it was Game 5 in Toronto, he did show up. He did have a good scoring game against Philly but for the vast majority of the time he has not been that reliable three point shooter that we have you know sort of been banking on since acquiring him um we need him to show up because if the bucks are going to let it fly as you say and i think you're right I, I pretty much think you're dead on on that we need to match it or at least challenge it and Danny Green is that guy on this team that, you know, that three and D guy that we have. And if he's not hitting those shots and they're just laying bricks, we're in serious trouble.
0: Yeah. And the, you know what? There's a Danny Green wasn't on the floor for that, for the final stretches, for the final play of the game. When you would think we need your, um, three-point shooting they were they were happy to the raptors put had him on the bench and they kind of had siakam in the danny green role mm-hmm. uh being sort of the release valve like if you watch the play um you see as, as leonard's making his way to the corner he he bypasses siakam who's open um from the three-point line sort of playing the danny green role in that scenario um and philly rightly was like no they're not going to give it to siakam in that right, moment right. but it's telling exactly what you said. He hasn't. He's shooting the ball. Um, he's he shot 45% from three in the regular season, which that's just pure fire. I don't know how sustainable that was, but man, he, 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 if he's due for a breakout, this is the time because we need that signature Danny Green game where, you know, he goes for seven threes and he scores twenty plus points. Is like if he does that a couple times, that's only a bonus in our favor. He always brings it on the defensive end, which sometimes gets unnoticed. And the Raptors have been playing championship level defense. And Danny Green is vital to that. I do think his shot will start start falling at some point. But man, we're running out of games for that to happen. And if it's going to happen, it needs to happen now because Milwaukee's going to be happy shooting threes and they're going to be happy forcing us into a three-point shooting team. So somebody is going to need to catch fire every single game. And it doesn't have to be Danny Green every game. It could be Danny Green one game. It could be Fred Van Fleet another game. We're probably going to see some Norman Powell as more Norman Powell. And Adam, I don't know what his status is. But man, Ogn and Ob giving us fifteen to twenty minutes of what he can do would be would be perfect right about
1: now. I was going to mention him. I was actually going to bring him up and say, "What are the chances you think he's going to come back?" Because they did say that it was looking like the conference finals if uh, the Raptors were going to get that far for his return, and he has not played a game. I'm looking at it right now since when was the last game he played? Was April the ninth was the last game he played? Um this is a series that we could really use that defensive intensity <laughs> that he's provided last year. Um do you think there's any hope that we're going to see him?
0: I honestly don't know but he's another body we can put on Giannis, we can throw at Middleton and if the Raptors go small when the Bucks decide to do Giannis at center, which they do too frequently. Um, So there might be instances where we can't have Gasol and Ibaka on the floor, any one of them, because that means that they'll either be guarding Giannis or Miritich, um, which would just be in Milwaukee's favor if they're they're out there. Um, I don't think Gasol... Has the foot speed to keep up with either of them, and Ibaka might not either. So, this is a perfect series for OGN and OB. I think we're going to see a lot of small ball, and I think we're going to see, Adam, what I mentioned at the beginning of the year when I joined your podcast. I think we're going to see a lot of quiet center minutes, whether that's genuinely quiet center. Like, he's, he's obviously will play with Siakam, and him and Giannis will sort of be the two guys on the floor as sort of the, the big man on the team. So we're going to see a lot of quiet center and with Kawhi and Siakam, whether that's Kawhi and OG, I hope it's OG. I hope he's back. Obviously it's going to take him a game or two to get his conditioning and his legs back under him. But I'm hoping we'll get an update um, um, Tuesday when the Raptors reconvene on OG OG status, because, that could be huge because Milwaukee's not shy to play small, and that fits right into their, what they want to do if we don't have a player as versatile as OG that we can put on the floor there.
1: Well, the stress begins on Wednesday, alright? And what I like about this series is that it's no bullshit, it's every other game, every other day, rather. So there is no two days in between, from what I remember from the scheduling. So, we're it's pure fire, ready to go, and it, this is going to be probably one of the most physical playoff series that the Raptors have had probably in, in, franchise history. And I'm looking forward to it. How confident are you? I'll put it this way. How confident are you that the Raptors are going to pull this off? in seven,
0: I honestly think it's a coin flip. It's it's, it's 50, 50. Um, but you know, we're here. The conference finals is here. This is what we've been waiting for all season to see whether the team can get back to this point and man, to be four wins away from being in the finals is just incredible. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going Raptors. I think they have what it takes to pull it out. And like I said, Kawhi's he's been there before. The only player on the Bucks who's been in a conference finals is George Hill. Um, so I do think there will be a little bit of an adjustment period to the high stakes that the Bucs are going to be playing in. And the fact that we have someone like Kawhi who's been to two finals, who's been to many conference finals over and over again, and doesn't seem to buckle under the pressure um i think that those are all things in our favor so i'm adam i think we're going to the finals and you might have to start looking into flights to to come (laughs) down here to to take it all
1: in i want to give people a peek behind the curtain real quick so you know I i don't want to shy away from this we didn't put it out into the universe All right. You and I had exchanged uh, DMs on Twitter about, you know, potentially setting up therapy session part two. We didn't use the words. All right. We didn't say, you know, you know how we, we we sort of, you know, back roaded it. I am happy that that didn't have to happen. And I am happy that we're previewing the Eastern Conference finals together because I feel like this is, this time last year, we were. in a state of confusion, we were in a state of, you know, disbelief, just in a state of shock. And how quickly it turns in a year. So to be here to talk about this with you, actually thinking conceiving that we could be in an NBA final situation is is outstanding. So that being said, I am confident that the Raptors are going to take this in 7. Um I do want to caution people though that Look, we've had bad games this playoff series, or this entire playoffs rather. Uh, one game against the Magic and a handful of games against Philly. Would it shock me if one or two games Milwaukee puts the beating on Toronto? No, it wouldn't. And I want to caution people that does not mean the series is over by any means. This past series against Philly proved that but would it surprise me if the Raptors have the upper hand and smack around Milwaukee? No, that wouldn't surprise me at all. This is the most, I think, even matchup that we could have asked for in the playoffs, and I think this is going to go the distance, but I can't not pick the Raptors on this because of the reason you said. I believe not only do we have the best player in this series, I believe we have the best player in the NBA today, and I think Kawhi Leonard is going to do this for us. I'm saying Raps in seven.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. From a year ago, um, we were, we did the therapy session after LeBron swept us out of the playoffs, to now being taught, now talking about a Finals berth. Um, I don't think any of us could have foreseen that a year ago. So you you know what? You never know what's going to happen. And like I say, enjoy these games. This is. The, the, this this run that we're on right now, most franchises don't get to experience it. Hell, we didn't get to experience it until it actually happened to us. Do not take this game for granted. If we fall down in the series 2-1, 1-0, 3-2, it's not over. It's not the first team to win two games. It's not the first team to win three games. It's the first team to win four games. And are the Raptors going to lose to the Bucks? We're going to lose games in this series. Absolutely. That doesn't mean the series is over. Everyone needs to have faith and enjoy this ride. Not many teams make it this far. This is our second conference finals in the last three, in the last four seasons. That is incredible. Enjoy this ride. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be fun. Don't look away. Watch it. Embrace it. You never know what's going to happen. And, you know what? I've I've always I I have a June birthday, and ever since I've been a Raptors fan, I've always said to people in my life and to my wife every year who asks me, "What do you want for your birthday?" And I said, "I want to be watching a Raptors finals game around my birthday, whether it actually happens on it or not. Who know? I don't <laughs> know what the schedule is, but I always ask for that every year, and it's always laughed off like an impossibility. But all I want is raptors to be playing in june and this is our best chance for it so everyone enjoy it enjoy the stress enjoy the highs enjoy the lows because wherever this takes us if it takes us to a title if it doesn't this is what we're going to remember along the way
1: i encourage everybody i should have said this on the jump when we were referencing it if you haven't already or if you were too young to experience it even if you know the outcome, I encourage everyone to jump on YouTube and watch the fourth quarter of the 2001 Game 7 series against the Sixers and the Raptors. I encourage you to do that. And then immediately after, re-watch the fourth quarter of Game 7 from this year's. I encourage everyone to do that and look at the disparity and look at how poetic that is. This is perfect. And if there's anything that I want you to walk away from that, it's this. This year's different. It's, it's different. This isn't same old Raptors. This isn't doom and gloom. This isn't we're, we're doomed because we're the Raptors in the playoffs. It's not that at all. This is different. This feels different this year. We said it last year with DeMar finishing 59 wins, first in the conference. I get it. There was no LeBron. We can do this. We can win this series. We can go to the finals. We have Kawhi Leonard on this team. We can do it. And I think we will. So, with that said, Peter, you know the deal. You you mentioned an article that you're working on. I will have links to your website and your Twitter, but for the sake of audio, promote any and everything you got going on where people can get these shirts. Because if you do not have this shirt, you are missing out on a huge good luck charm that works. I am evidence of this. It works. And you can say your final words, man. Go for it. Floor is yours.
0: (laughs) Adam. I'm so grateful we're not having a therapy session today. <laughs> it's amazing that we're, we're we're talking about our upcoming series with Milwaukee. You can find my work at lifeinrepeat.com. I'm on Twitter at lifeinrepeat and if you enjoy my content, uh, you know what? We we're selling merch, you know? Get your very own life and repeat t-shirt, 25 bucks, includes shipping, and you know what? People been rocking it. The Raptors have been winning, so don't put don't put their losing on you, man. Hit me up on Twitter. Send me a message. We'll get you a T-shirt, and you know, support the cause. Um, this is this is a passion project of mine, and I and I couldn't be happier um, with the people it's it's have me met and the places it's taken me. So, you know, support the cause and support Adam. Listen to his podcast. Visit his website as well. It's a great time to be um, to be a Raptors fan. Now, Adam, hit my music. I think I keep. I know I'm sexy. I've got the looks the drives are cool. While I've got the mood that really move, I sit chill, up and down there. Spine, I'm just a sexy boy. Oh yeah.